Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Love of Books podcast show featuring Indian and small press authors with host author Emma Polova. I would like to thank our major sponsor, Doc Chavet. Today, I will be chatting with author Marie Lepreste who will announce the details of her book giveaway of Beyond the Fort at the end of the interview. I had the pleasure of meeting Marie in person at the Book Nook and Java Shop in Montague in December, along with authors Ingar Rudolph and H. William Rubax. Erica Marie Lepress, Emma is a middle school social studies religion teacher and lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Erica has always enjoyed reading and writing, and with her love of history and God, she has incorporated all four loves into her writing. Erica has finished a historical fiction Civil War era book series, The Turner Daughters, and is currently working on a time travel series involving the Mackinac Straits area. Hello, Marie. How are you today? Hello, I am very good. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Can you give us a brief summary of Beyond the Fort? So Beyond the Fort is a story about a high school girl who works for Mackinac State Historic Parks up in Mackinac City. Um, she specifically works at Colonial Michelin Mackinac. And one day while at work, one of her co-workers finds a skeleton key and she ends up with the skeleton key. They kind of forget about it. And then later that evening, she uses the key, um, kind of searches around and is able to find where the key fits, goes through a tunnel that is actually a portal and finds herself in 1775 Mackinac City. And then while there, she runs into a couple of other time travelers and they all have to figure out how to defeat a British soldier who's trying to take over the area and get, get rid of the French and the natives there. So. Um, they all have to do that and then hopefully find a way home as well. That's fully loaded with action, right? I love it. Oh, yeah. Tell us about the process of writing Beyond the Fort from the initial idea, what sparked the idea, all the way to the shelves of your local bookstore or on Amazon. Yeah, so I actually, for a couple of summers, I was able to work for the Mackinac State Historic Parks. And I worked for um, Colonial Michelin Mackinac, where she goes. I was actually able to work at all four of their sites at one point or another. And so I was able to learn a lot of the history. I've always loved going up to Mackinac, always loved being there. And so it was really cool to be able to work there in between college and finding a teaching job. And while my coworkers and I we would always talk about how cool it would be to go back in time and actually meet the people that we were portraying, because um, sometimes we would be like, it's called a third person interpreter, where you just kind of um, talk about being or talk about living there in general, and you don't really take on a specific personality. But then there's first person interpretation where you will occasionally take on the role of an actual historic figure. And we did a little bit of both more of the third person than the first person. But yes, um, <clears throat> we would kind of just talk about how cool it would be to go back in time and meet some of these actual people that we either personify or that we talk about. And so that was kind of the basis of the book. Um, so it was a lot of fun. Sounds Got like to it. drop a lot of uh, a lot of inside jokes actually a little bit and um, also just some knowledge and um, of having lived up there. Yeah. Can you describe the main, main character, Christine Belanger? What is she like? 
Um, so yeah, she's a in her. I there's definitely some of her in me for sure. Um, so she is a, a high schooler. Um, really into sports. Um, one thing that is not like me. Um, she's the very youngest of a pretty successful family. Like she's got very older brothers and sisters who are doctors and lawyers. And um, she kind of feels like she doesn't have a lot to offer. She's got a love of history. Her nieces and nephews love her, but she's kind of in that zone of not quite knowing um, where she fits or what to do with her future um, because she's got all these um, older brothers and sisters to live up to. And that's not like me because I am the oldest of four. So that was a little bit of a difference. But um, so, yeah, she's a high schooler. She's got a couple of really good friends. Um, <clears throat> And so she is actually, you know, uh, like I said, uh, has good friends. So she is a good friend. And in the subsequent books, actually, um, her friends become the main characters. And so that's kind of how I was doing that as well. So, yeah, she's kind of goes on this adventure and um, has to find out a lot about herself and what she can do when she kind of puts her mind to it. How long did it take you to write it? Um, This one... It was about 12 months. Um, it was the actually uh, the fourth book that I wrote. So by then, I had fine-tuned my writing style and process a little bit. Um, as you know, that's something that you're constantly tweaking. I'm working on books 11th, 12th, and 13th right now, and I'm still modifying that system um, and, and finding out still what works best. And when you write in different um, – I don't write in different genres. I pretty much – solely write in historic fiction um but i've done different age levels and so you know you, you have to do a little things different when you're writing for middle grade so i've got a middle grade novel and then i've also got books that are a little bit more geared toward adults and then the um beyond the four is young adults so um yeah it's kind of fine-tuning and tweaking and um so this one like i said took about uh 12 months so just done about, right around a year um and so yeah it was um you know, really good, really fun. I was able to have most of the research already when I'm doing my research. That's usually a big chunk of, you know, the writing process when I'm doing all the research for the different time periods. Do you write daily? I try to. I don't always get a chance to, but I do try to. And it's either writing or it's editing. Um, I'm kind of in an editing um, mindset right now. I'm actually working on editing two different books. And so um, I'm more in that mindset. But Definitely try to work on my books every day. What was the biggest challenge in writing Beyond the Fort? Was it the research? If you were to split it up, how much of research goes into this book and how much of it is fiction? Story. Um, so this particular book, um, it's a little bit more fictional than um, historical. And by that, I mean, it takes place in the historical time period. And a lot of the relationships, like the relationships between the natives and the French and the British at that time period, that is all fairly accurate to the time period. The actual storyline with the British soldier and trying to take over the fort, that is a, a little bit more fictional, although it's still, honestly, it could have happened um, based on what was going on up there. And um, I actually included a lot of different actual historic figures as well. Um, the commander at the time was Arnett Schuler de Peister. Um, he was a very interesting guy. His wife, Rebecca, very interesting uh, woman. They had a pet squirrel named Timmy, and he wrote poems about Timmy. 
Um, and so I tried to incorporate some of those real people in this book. I always try to incorporate actual historic figures into my story. So my Civil War novels, on the other hand, those are very much um, as historically accurate as possible. And there's a couple of storylines that are more fictional, but very easily could have happened. And they're more of a compilation of what happened to different individuals at the time period. Which elements from your previous books appear in Beyond the Fort, if any? Sorry, what was that? Elements from your previous books. You write. You mentioned that you write historical fiction, like mm -hmm. the Interpreter Daughters. Have certain of the elements you've used in your previous historical fiction? Do they appear again in Beyond the Fort? Um, I think a little bit. Yeah. Um, a lot of my books are just kind of about different individuals and their relationships with others and how to get along and how to really find your way in in this world in different time periods too. And, um, you know, kind of going back to my very first book, it's a, you know, historic fiction takes place in the civil war. And I wrote it kind of from that human perspective, more of a civilian perspective. And one of my sister, I have two sisters and they both read it. One of them is very much into history. The other one is not into history at all, but she read it because, Hey, my sister wrote a book. I'm probably should read it. Should read it. So she read it. I kind of, I asked her what she thought of it, not being a history person. She's like, no, it was actually really good. She's like, they're actual people, and I can see myself in these people, and I can see myself having these same issues. Obviously, the war was a big thing, but a lot of the day-to-day -day life and the different relationships, um, a lot of that stuff hasn't really changed. And so right. um, that was a good piece. So to know that you know, across the board and across history, we're always struggling, and we always have things that we need to overcome. That will always happen. What was the most gratifying part in writing this book? Oh, for this one, it's just the amount of people that want the next one. Um, I have so often um, sold one book. I'll do a lot of arts and crafts festivals and I'll have, you know, I'll sell one and then I'll get an email later saying, oh, wait, no, I, I need them all now. Or um, just that uptick. Um, the fourth one has come out. The fourth one came out this summer. And the amount of people that wanted to make sure that they got it. I was at a arts and crafts festival in Lowell, actually, uh, Christmas Lowell. through Lowell. Yeah, uh -huh. Christmas through Lowell, I was there. And I had a young man, and I think it was his grandmother came up. And grandma's like, oh, he's going to be so excited that you're here. He saved up his money so that he can buy the fourth book. And so like, that's just really cool, having these people who like my writing that much and that I really am kind of touching them with my writing and then that not only am I excited about releasing a new book, but they're excited that I've released a new book too. Um, so I've had quite a few, you know, uh, instances where that similar thing has happened. Very cool. Any surprises, discoveries, or epiphanies while writing Beyond the Ford? Hmm. I don't think there were many with this one. Um, because again, I knew a lot about what the time period was like in that mm -hmm. time period when I was writing. Now, when I kind of kept going and I worked on the second book, which takes place mostly on Mackinac Island in 19, or I'm sorry, in 1814. And that kind of pulls in the War of 1812. So I was able to learn a little bit more about the War of 1812 in Michigan. Um, was not a very good situation in Michigan. We actually were embarrassed. Both times the British were on Mackinac Island. And then I went to the next book is in 1833, kind of right there on the island. And some of the things I learned there, like um, 
Mackinac City wasn't even there for a good long time. And then I went to um, kind of right by the lighthouse in 1918. And the multitude of different things that were going on in our country and in our state in 1918 that I got to bring into that book. Things like World War One, um, things like Prohibition and actually Michigan had Prohibition earlier than at the national level. So there's also a lot of bootlegging, a lot of smuggling coming in from Canada across the lakes. And so that was really cool to bring in too. And then you also get, unfortunately, the very beginning of the Spanish flu at that time period. So a lot time, of things right? to bring in. Um, and I got to bring in, like, I'm a huge sports fan. And so I got to bring in vintage baseball to that one as well. Um, oh, so nice. it is really cool to learn all these different things about these different time periods and bring them in. One of the things that I love talking about in Beyond the Fort um, and just uh, different books that I'm writing is, is that athletic standpoint as well and how even back then athletics was a big thing. Um, and so, yeah, the, um, the American Indians at the time in the 1775, one of their biggest games was a game that they called the Godaway. And that is essentially what we have lacrosse today. Lacrosse is a huge growing sport. Um, I teach middle school and that is the big sport right now. And so, yeah, it's really cool to bring in those aspects into my stories as well. Yes. It was also really cool. Um, I was going to say too, like with a story, um, I initially was thinking of doing it as more of an adult story. And then I was talking to some of my middle schoolers about my idea in general. And they're like, well, that would be a really cool book. You should like write it more for us. And mm -hmm. so I was actually able to kind of tweak it a little bit. And then not only did I get to, you know, I, I got to often talk to them, you know, do you guys prefer first person or third person? Do you think this would work? What do you think would work for the cover? So I was able to involve them in the process too. And that was really fun. So I like doing that even now, like I'm working on a, a young adult civil war novel and I've actually had some students read some of the scenes and give some feedback on some of those things, you know, what would you want to see more? And so that's, and they like being part of the process too. So do you write mainly young adult fiction? So I've got my Civil War series as young adult, or I'm sorry, my Civil War series as adult, but all my books are appropriate for middle school and okay. up, kind of what I'll say, um, while the Civil War books, and then I've also got a novel that takes place in South Dakota in the 1920s. It's kind of my take on Pride and Prejudice. And mm -hmm. so I call that my COVID book because I wrote most of it in March, of March, April, May of 2020. Because what else were we going to do at that point? And so um, I so I've got, those are my more adult geared books, though. Like I said, they are all appropriate for middle schoolers. My students get excited about it and I want it to be appropriate for them to read. And then I've got my um, Mackinac series is young adult. And then I'm working on a young adult Civil War novel. And then I've got one Civil War middle grade novel. So that third grade through fifth grade uh, age level there. And then I'm also planning a Michigan history time travel series that's specifically for the third, fourth, fifth graders. So a little bit of everything. Good. Uh, what do you feel you did right? No one could have done it like you. I think being able, yeah, I think, being able to work up there um, in Mackinac especially was huge. Um, just I am first and foremost, and I will always call myself this, I am a history nerd. I love learning about history. I love reading about history. Um, I will actually go to Civil War reenactments. Obviously, I was a historic interpreter at Mackinac. Um, I love a lot of things about history. And so I think that that passion and that background really helps bring things as well. 
And one of my main goals with my book is to teach history through fiction. It's kind of one of my taglines is teaching yes. history through fiction because we as humans, we learn through stories. That is the number one way that we learn. And nonfiction books are great. Um, bi biographies and autobiographies, those are great. And I, one of the biggest things that I use in my research are the journals, the letters and those things. But when you put them together for stories, uh, I think a lot of people resonate with that a lot. Um, and so that's why I really like to, to, to do that and take all those, like I said, all those loves that I have and put them together into this book. And my nerdiness, I think, works for that because um, I'm really able to put a lot of things together. It sure does. So is your main focus on the Civil War era? So yes and no. I've definitely written more Civil War novels than any other. Um, it's a time period that's always fascinated me. Mm -hmm. And I just love diving deeper into it. And then the more that I dive deeper into it, the more I realize that I really don't know near as much as I thought it, or I just realized that there is so much more to learn about it. And so um, I've been able to do a lot of different research. I ended up writing my college grad paper on education in the Civil War. And so I've been able to just dive deep into it and look at it in a lot of different ways. Um, but I also love Michigan history. And so, um, you know, that's another big piece with the Mackinac series. And then with my third through fifth grade series that I've kind of, I'm kind of planning out. Um, I do love those two time periods. And then the, the um, it's called wisdom and humility, the pride and prejudice one that I spoke of earlier. That is a completely different offshoot. I do have ideas of maybe turning it into a series one day, but every time I ask my, my um, like I'll post on Facebook, hey, I'm at a crossroads here. What book should I focus on next? It's either people want more Civil War or more Michigan history. So I, I definitely think I've got a following for that. And so I'm definitely going to keep rolling with that. I also, um, in the past, I've written a article, a monthly article on Michigan history. And now I'm actually turning that into posting online, posting on YouTube um, every other week, um, content about different Michigan history things that have happened. Um, so I've been doing that probably since the early summer. Um, so I've been able to post that on my YouTube channel and really, again, just teaching history and, um, you know, helping people learn more about the different places, especially Michigan. What would you have done differently? Hmm. So I've learned a lot about, you know, plotting and looking at, you know, different ways to start and set up in the writing process. So I kind of wish I would have learned a lot about that earlier on. Earlier. Um, actually, one of my um, one of my writing projects right now um, is actually revising my very first book. Um, my mom is my biggest supporter. She's amazing. She helps me book all. My, she no, she doesn't help me book all my trips. She does book all of my events. Um, she helps edit. She helps take care of the business side of things, which frees me up to write so much more. So I appreciate her um, unbelievably. She was the one who was with me at the book nook also, and so um, I'm able to write more. But where was I even going with it? Sorry, what was the question you asked? Where was I going with that? Wait a minute. What would you have done differently? Oh, well, what I have done differently. Okay, so um, so yes, she was um, wow, totally lost my train of thought there. So she was kind of going back and rereading some of the earlier stuff. And she read the first book and 
she hands it to me and she's like, you need to reread this. And I read the first couple pages and I'm like, wow. Um, so what both of us had noticed was that the first book was still very good. People still really enjoyed it. Right. But my writing had gotten so much better. So mm -hmm. I'm just kind of going through that one again and I'm just revising it. Um, the plot's the same. I'm adding a couple scenes because we have learned more about Gettysburg at that time period as well. Right. Like we personally have learned some things. And so we're kind of adding a couple little pieces, nothing that's going to completely change the story. And so kind of revising that. So yeah, just, I, I wish I would have known more about that writing process earlier on. Um, because I think especially learning those things has made me a better writer and obviously practice has made um, me a better writer as well. Um, so yeah, that would probably be, you know, maybe I, I kind of just jumped into it and just did it. And it, like I said, it's, still very popular a lot of people really like it but um yeah practicing the craft has been actually kind of a fun thing too is um yeah learning new fun. things and um so yeah I kind of wish I would have learned a little bit more about the actual craft of writing before <laughs> but you know it's sometimes you just got to do it too learning process what have you learned about yourself from writing this book oh uh, that's a good question so you know, I actually, I, I didn't realize that I had, I don't, and I don't want to sound like, um, I don't want to sound, uh, I don't want to, uh, I didn't realize that I had this in me, I guess you could say. Oh. I, I didn't realize that I had this ability in me so much. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been very blessed with apparently this gift of writing. And so, again, I'll thank my mom. She's the one that kept pushing me and pushing me and pushing me. The first book took my goodness, probably six years to write. And I was also, I, I was, I was finishing college. I was student teaching. I was doing those first few years of teaching. Um, and so I didn't have a whole lot of time to dedicate myself to it. Um, but yeah, like, I just didn't realize that I had it in me. Um, I've learned that I have more creativity and I can be more organized and I can push myself a little bit more to be a better writer too. Um, through like learning more, like I was saying more about the writing craft, learning more about that, pushing myself to be better. I'm, you know, I'm motivated in a lot of different things, but um, it's really made me realize that I can keep pushing myself to be better um, all the time. Awesome. What are some of the takeaways from Beyond the Fort? So some takeaways, like takeaways that I want to pass off to others. Yes. Okay. So yeah, just basically, um, you know, finding out who you are, finding out, um, you can be but then also like using the gifts and talents that God has given you to do what he's put you on that earth to do um uh, and so um you know stepping up sometimes being brave and there's different types of bravery um and so that's kind of a theme sometimes you you know need to help others find their bravery and that's part of you being brave so I think um there's a little bit of that in there also and that you know we all have a role to play on this earth and um, so it's important to find that role and do your best at it. Absolutely. Would you do it all over again, your writing and teaching careers? Oh, absolutely. I I absolutely love teaching. It's one thing like there'll be times where I'll be like, okay, could I feasibly quit my teaching job and just write full time? And then I'm like, well, maybe I could, but I still, I love my students. I'm at a great school. Um, it's a very great community. Um, even today, like we had our eighth grade students versus teachers volleyball game. 
And so it was just so fun to see so many people there, um, all the kids cheering, um, and just that great relationship that I'm able to build with my students and my coworkers. It's a great place, and I don't know if I would want to leave it so easily. So there are definitely like days where I th there's definitely days where I'm like, nope, I'm done. I don't want it. But <laughs> that's everybody. Everybody feels that way about their job some days. Yes. Um, yes. So yeah, I would definitely do it all over again, and especially with the writing. There have been so many different things that have popped up because of it. Um, I now have people asking me to do author talks, which is awesome. It makes it a little difficult with my job, but I've done some author talks, but I've also done talks about um, civilians in the Civil War to Civil War um, roundtables. And that's a piece that I used to hate public speaking. And I was heavily encouraged by my mom and um, especially to practice public speaking reading in church was something that kind of helped me get more accustomed to that. And then, you know, I'm a teacher, but it's different teaching to middle schoolers and uh, elementary schoolers than it is talking to adults. Right. And so like, I don't think I ever would have imagined myself being able to do like public speaking, but I've been able to do public speaking and I've got a couple of different like talks that I'll give civil war civilians. Um, I can do one on the history of Mackinac. I'm giving one in April about education during the Civil War. Um, that's a second time around, you know, the Grand Rapids Civil War Roundtable heard my civilians one and then they want me back. I never expected something like that to, to happen, but it's it's really cool to be able to do that as well. And my ability to small talk has also grown. Um, I used to <laughs> not like that at all, but when you're out and about and you're kind of, kind of trying to sell a book, but also just trying to be friendly, um, yeah. you just, you, you get a chance to practice and you get better at it. What is the most interesting or bizarre thing that has ever happened to you during an in-person event? Oh. During perhaps an author talk or mm -hmm. selling books at different shows, different people come up to us and ask us these different Oh, questions. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just crazily how things happen sometimes. So, like, I, well, and maybe one of the crazier things to happen is I was talk or I was at an arts and crafts festival over on the east side of the state in Tawa City, and a young man came up and started talking to me and my mom, and you know, come to find out he's actually from Pennsylvania. He's um, and then his mother-in-law does um, Good Day PA, Good Day Pennsylvania, and we were just talking, and through that conversation, um, I ended up being on her show. Like we did it virtually. Um, so I was on a, you know, a show in Pennsylvania. So just the, the different people that you're able to meet. To um, me, I've done, yes. you know, I'll do civil war reenactments and sell books there. So like I've sold books to people who are from um, different parts of the country. Um, apparently Germany is really into our American civil war, which I found really interesting. That is um, so interesting. I've got, I, you know, I've sold to Germans, I've sold to Brits and, um, so that's been kind of a cool thing, just the amount of different people that you see yes. in these different places. So that's, you know, a lot of little things, not not one big thing, but just a lot of little things that make it really cool. Um, being on podcasts like yours, I've also been on other podcasts and yeah. radio shows and things like this. It's, it's just cool what this kind of opens oh, up for you. Yeah. A whole new different worlds, right? Yeah. And I also love talking to other authors, like um, love that we have this. Um, West Michigan, especially, we've got this community of authors that, you know, it's really cool 
you're one of them. You know, um, Inger is one of them. I know he talked on this. Um, he's been on this show before, I believe, right? He has. H. William Rubach, yeah. And yeah, or, yeah. Inger, yeah. So like, yeah, it's just it's cool that we've got that um that community. Um, it really is cool. Um, and even you know me getting involved in that community is kind of an interesting story because. I, you know, getting ready to publish my first book. And one of my aunts is like, oh yeah, Rod, her husband, you know, Rod's brother just published a book too. And it turns out that that's Inger. And so, you know, not only was I introduced to this newer author, but I'm introduced to this newer author that's really into making, you know, helping other authors too. And so, you know, just that connection really pulled me into that Michigan author um, world. And I, like I said, it's a great community and just meeting new people and a lot of interesting people in that community too. So. I agree 100%. Very cool community actually started by Ingar. So I'm very grateful yeah. to him. So what's yeah, very instrumental on in that. Yeah. What's next for Marie on your writing journey? You have a lot oh. going on juggling all these different acts. Yeah, a lot of a lot of things. And I've got so many other ideas, too, because and, and a lot of authors probably agree with this. Like you have a side character and then all of a sudden you're like, well, that side character can have an entire story themselves. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm currently working on, like I said, the revision of my very first novel, um, working on editing the first draft of a young adult Civil War novel. That one's been a, a lot of fun. It's kind of basically everything that I teach in Civil War in eighth grade. And it's putting it into story form. And then also just pulling in a lot of, you know, different ideas and different, you know, fun facts about the Civil War and story form. And so that one's been a lot of fun to work on. And then planning that I have the first book in the middle grade time travel novel. I've got the first one that plotted out. And then right now my mom is doing a round of edits on a, um, sequel to one of my Civil War books. Just the characters in that, my, my it was my final Civil War book from that series um, taking place in Petersburg, Virginia. And some of those characters just kind of kept holding on to me and they still wanted a, another part of their story told. So yes. I wrote kind of a sequel to that. And so um, I kind of have three. Three being edited right now. And if I'm feeling creative and just want to actually just write and get um, stuff done, I've got that other book um, going as well so yeah, yeah lots, lots of different projects so I'm definitely not getting bored <laughs> would you like to read to us Marie yeah so um I'll read like the second half of chapter one and so the main character Christine she was basically just um at basketball practice talking to one of her good friends um and just a couple of other things that kind of lead into the other story but um I kind of pick up where she is at work once I made it to the guide shack at the fort where all of the employees get ready for the day, take our breaks, and keep many of our supplies, I threw on my skirt, shirt waist, and tied my apron string around my waist. I grabbed my cap and adjusted it. With a quick bend, I lifted my skirt up and tightened my sock garter, then arranged my clean basketball shorts underneath my colonial skirts. It was not quite historically accurate to wear, but no one ever noticed. I love dressing in period clothes, it was one of my favorite parts of the job, but I was also quite thankful for my modern undergarments. Ready for the day? I turned to see Marie, one of my coworkers. I've been up for hours, I answered. Had to get a basketball workout in. Scrimmage tomorrow, then a softball game in the evening. That's why I'm off tomorrow. 
My summers were busy, but I wouldn't want it any other way. Gotcha. Who's scheduled for what today? I looked at the schedule. It says that you're marrying Robert, Samuel is the priest, Alex and Nick are redcoats, and Jem is the fur trader. Nice. I love a full staff and marrying Robert. Marie smiled. I knew how she felt. Robert Reynolds was the fort's best looking employee. With long blonde hair that was usually pulled back in a ponytail and light green eyes, as well as a perfectly muscled body, all the female employees wanted to marry him in real life and not just at the reenactment. It was too bad that he was seven years older than me and also good friends with my brother, Andrew. Who doesn't like marrying Robert? He is so cute, I replied. Absolutely, Marie exclaimed, her blue eyes shining. It was a difficult night to like this young woman. Even though she was drop-dead gorgeous and looked like a mean girl, she was always happy, nice, and looking for the best in people. It could be very frustrating at times, but it was impossible to hate her. You look beautiful today. She was complimentary, as always. Yeah? Thanks. I never quite knew how to take compliments like that, especially standing next to the blonde beauty whose legs went on forever and whose figure was perfect even without stays. I just knew that she was the prom queen down in Indiana, where she was from, and could have dated any guy she wanted. I looked at the mirror and saw my dull brown hair, never staying in place. Marie's hair looked like a supermodel's, probably right even out of bed. I desperately needed my stays, and when I didn't have them, I looked horribly frumpy. Marie probably never had a frumpy day in her life. Did she even know what frumpy was? No, really, Christine, Marie insisted, especially with that brown short gown. You look great. Thanks, but standing next to you, I will always just be plain. I should actually just portray your servant. Oh, don't be silly. We began walking toward our assigned positions to prepare for the day. Hello, ladies. Jeremy Banks, also known as Jem, poked his head out of the Alexis Sejanet house. How is everyone today? He smiled at Marie. Very well, thank you, Marie said. Very good. Um... I'm just going to skip down a little bit. So, okay, yeah, here. So we all turned down to see the day's priest, Samuel Roddick, jogging toward us. Samuel was kind of a local. His family owned a vacation home on Lake Michigan, and he had been coming up to Mackinac City during the summer for years. He had just graduated from Michigan State and was going to grad school. He was probably my favorite person to work with. Look what I found. He held up a very old-looking key. Ooh, very nice, Marie said, holding out her hand. Where did you find it? In the priest's garden. It never gets any attention, so I was hoeing there, and it suddenly turned up. It looks like it could be a real artifact, I said. I wonder where it goes to, Jem added. Me too. I want to look around to find out. Samuel flipped the key in his hand. But I have a full schedule this morning. So do I, Jem said, frowning. I'm cooking today, Marie shrugged, so I won't be able to get away. I'm just in the Paquet house doing crafts, so I should be able to find out what it goes to, I smiled. Make sure you're careful, Samuel tossed me the key. Can't have the fort's little sister getting hurt. I caught the key easily, though it was a bad throw. I didn't think about the key Samuel had found until later that night. I was all by myself as I volunteered to clean up after a cooking class. I was in a hurry to get to the beach to see my friends, and I took the key out of my pocket and held it up, looking at it closely. I wonder what it goes to. It looked old enough to be an actual key from the 18th century, like the artifacts displayed in the Treasures in the Sand exhibit at the fort. 
There are very few structures that were original to the place. It was found in the priest's garden. I thought out loud. Then I got a brilliantly random idea. Quickly tightening the ties on my historically accurate clothing, I grabbed my phone and power stick, then ran as quickly as my shoes could move. Stop. Okay, oh. we're running out of time. Oh, okay. If, we, if you could announce the details of your book giveaway. Yeah, so I will be um, giving away uh, Beyond the Fort, so you can find out a little bit more what happens to her after she goes looking for what the key goes to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can email me. Um, my email is Erica Marie eight four. So um, Erica Marie and then an eight and a four at gmail.com. Okay. One so more yeah. Time. One more time. Yeah. Yep. Erica Marie eight four at gmail.com. And the first listener who emails you with the book podcast giveaway will get a signed copy of your book. And now yep. parting shots from each one of us. You first. Shoot, I'm drawing a blank on what the parting shots. Just like last thoughts. Just, yes, last thoughts. Okay. So yeah, um, thank you so much for listening. I am so glad to have been able to talk. Emma, thank you so much for having me. It was great meeting you a few weeks ago and um, hope to connect with you again. And for all the listeners, um, thank you so much for listening and keep supporting local authors. We love that so much. Yes. So yeah, thank you so much. Yes, we do. And my parting shots are write indie, buy indie, and read indie. Read your local newspapers for inspiration. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.